Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, here we go. A real football analysis with Brian Murphy, who uh, writes for Bring Me the News and Purple Insider. He joins us on the John Schuster Colwell Banker Hotline. Before we get to the Vikings and the Gophers and such, we were just having a conversation, Murph, about whether cars should have governors in them because so many clowns go over 100 miles an hour now, including one of the Viking receivers, by the way. Um, Is that a good idea? Do you think cars should have governors in them? Like, let's say 80 miles an hour is the tops. Governors, I, I'm I'm lost on the word verbiage here. Yeah, a lot is, of people. Is that were... a term for like limiting speed. Yes, yes, yes. governors. Yes, oh. it's like technology. Okay, yes, yeah. yes. Not, you're not saying Tim Walls. Tim Walls yeah, somebody on, yes, yes. Right. Tim Walls would be yeah. in your car saying, telling you to slow down. Um, no, I don't. Uh, I don't. You're an American, right? Because he grew up in Detroit. He bu- buy American cars and let those American cars drive as fast as they want. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, I mean, nobody's going to go 140 miles an hour unless you're a rookie-wide receiver in the middle of the night, I guess. But uh, at, Hey, there's at, a dog emergency. There's a dog emergency. <laughs> right, right. Uh, no, I think, uh, you know, if, you, if I'm licensed to drive, I'm licensed to uh, figure out the speed limit. Thank you. Trust people. Um, uh, uh, no. Okay, yeah. but no. Yeah. I mean, Brian, you've met people. I don't trust people. <laughs> people are idiots. So, um, no. Oh, I would agree with that, but that we've been dealing with that for decades. <laughs> That's true. Long time. Never stops yeah, us before. Mm-hmm, uh, right. So uh, the Vikings lose, uh, it, 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 again, an entertaining game. But uh, I remember talking to you when the, they were 0-3, and I was like, well, you know, a lot of these problems with the Vikings have been attributable to uh, – turnovers and i was arguing that's a fixable thing that you can fix that and you argued against me saying yeah don't be so sure about that and again turnovers that's the story of the game last night yeah i mean yeah it was their first three turnover three turnover game in quite some time and it bit them um it's easy to to preach ball security you can do all the drills you want but when the game's going 100 miles an hour and large men are colliding in piles the ball's going to come loose so uh, it, it's convenient to say it's fixable, but it's, it's, a, uh, it's an embedded feature of the game. And the fact is the Vikings didn't get any on defense. If they had gotten a, a, a critical turnover on Russell Wilson, say in the fourth quarter or certainly in the final three minutes, um, you wouldn't have thought about the three times they gave up the ball because they'd have come up with one on their own. So it's, it's kind of fickle, but it, there's no doubt you, you lose the turnover battle, you know, you're 90 plus percent guaranteed to lose the game. So uh, Alexander Madison's costly fumble uh, ended up putting, uh, you know, Denver in a position to, to win the game. And, you know, the, the Vikings defense had played strong all night, limiting them to five field goals. They couldn't come up with one more big series, one more big play at the end. And look, Russell Wilson, you know, for as much as he struggled last year with Denver under Sean Payton this year, uh, you know, Denver's won four in a row, and they look like yeah. a different team than they were a couple of months ago. And Mile High Stadium is aw- an awfully difficult place to win. And, oh, by the way, Russell Wilson is 8-1 and one in his career against the Vikings. So 
you know, a big time player made a big time play at a big time moment and um one point loss. Uh Vikings are still six and five and in the driver's seat for the final wild card spot. But look, no one said this was going to be easy with Josh Dobbs, as good as it felt. There are going to be a lot of hiccups along the way. If anything, they've got a really bad Bears team coming into town next Monday night. Uh, that should give them some breathing room going into the bye. Speaking of Josh Dobbs, you know, he's been a hero of these past few weeks, so you guys tell me. Um, do we still heart Josh Dobbs? You should heart Jobs Jobs. You don't really have mm-hmm. Josh Dobbs. You don't really have a choice <laughs> either. <laughs> yeah. Either that or Nick yeah. Mullins. So uh, you, this is who you're going to get. And he's learning on the fly by the day. It's it's a really cool story. And as as the NFL goes, it's a week-by-week basis. So when somebody literally comes in off the street, happens to be a rocket scientist, and find, finds ways to deliver two incredibly important but also different-looking victories for the Vikings compared to what they could accomplish with Kirk Cousins, people are naturally going to get excited. They're going to buy into the hype. They're going to think, you know, this guy's going to go win a Super Bowl and then fly the next, you know, <laughs> spacecraft. It's not going to be that simple. And, you know, Dobbs played well yesterday. Didn't play great, but played well. Uh, I was encouraged by how well the, the the Vikings running game was. They, I think they rushed yes. for 175 yards. They hadn't come any anywhere close to that in previous seasons or previous games. Um, you know, Dobbs threw a touchdown pass, made some magic happen with his legs again. Uh, but there were a lot of times where he could have easily have been picked off two or three more times. This was going to be a week-by-week uh, difficult learning curve that's going to have flashes of brilliance, uh, unbelievable moments, highs and lows. And look, they, they still only scored 20 points yesterday. This is going to be a grind all the way to nine or ten wins. And that's the best probably you can hope for the rest of the year. But it will be entertaining. It, that's, I was just going to say that because like, I was talking to Jimmy Erickson when he was a morning show producer on the way out. He <laughs> says it, they're fun to watch. I mean, even as frustrating as that loss was last night, if you're a Viking fan, the game is supremely entertaining. The defense is, I mean, we were questioning B-flow at the early point of the year. Now that defense is very fun to watch, very capable. And with Josh Dobbs, it's like you have no idea what's going to happen it's very entertaining football. Right, and that's the way it's going to be. And and look, we're not looking at a Super Bowl contender here. I mean, at, at best, they can grind out nine, ten wins that gets you in as a wild card. I mean, maybe you make some hay in the playoffs, but I don't think anybody thinks they're going to be taking down Dallas, Philadelphia, or San Francisco in the later rounds. But that doesn't mean you can't get a look at this new dynamic at quarterback and what does that mean for the, the near-term future for both him and Cousins. Are they going to, you know, take a quick pivot and, and embrace Dobbs all the way through? He's got a lot more he needs to put on his resume before the franchise is going to make a long-term decision yeah. like that. You still have draft intrigue coming up. You know, I know, by the way, we still haven't seen Justin Jefferson in six weeks. If yeah. he comes back, if not this week, then maybe they get another week of the bye. He comes back at full strength. I mean, that changes the dynamic of the offense again as well. So all these things are interesting to follow and watch. Doesn't mean they're going to be going to the Super Bowl, but it sure feels a heck of a lot better than it did at 0 3 and 1 and 4. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app.
the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams, all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. How I was actually reading something um, last night about playing at mile high. And you mentioned that earlier in your, um, in, in this conversation, Brian, that other players like regular players that live at a regular sea level, you know, we really struggle with the oxygen. I mean, how much of an advantage really is that? And what do the players do to prepare for, you know, being a mile above sea level? There's really not much you can do. It's been a topic of oh, conversation. Really? I mean, when I was covering the wild for years, I mean, they would go out to Colorado four times and then usually in the playoffs as well, those athletes that live out there are conditioned to this. Yep. You go out there, you're mm-hmm. up in the thin oxygen, and you're on, suddenly on the on the field for a, you know a ten minute stretch on defense, and the and you know the NBC cameras showed. I mean, guys are huffing and puffing in an oxygen tank. I mean, that's real. And uh, I mean, it's a tough, loud environment to play. But if you're not out there that much um, toward the third and fourth quarter. Um, that can get difficult. <laughs> it can get, get difficult yeah. even for the for world class athletes because uh, thin altitude is is thin altitude. There's only so much you can do uh, to prepare for that. It's not like you can prepare for cold and wind and crowd noise artificially. I mean, you're not going to suck the oxygen out of the training facility for a week, so <laughs> you really just have to go in there and deal with it. Uh, let's move on to the Gophers. They get destroyed by Ohio State. Uh, everybody kind of expected that. Now they'll need to beat Wisconsin to get bowl eligible. Uh, what do we think about P.J. Fleck? Well, I don't think much. I, you know, I've never been a big fan of the Used Car Salesman Act, but, you know, when you're winning games and, and you're winning over fan bases and you're winning bowl games and you're putting up du- double-digit victories, you know, you could say it works, you know, but row the boat only goes so far. The yeah. problem I have with him is that he he talks like an alpha, but he coaches like an omega. I mean, he coaches <laughs> not to lose. Yes. Um, you know, twice, no one, no one on the planet thought Minnesota was going to go into Columbus and beat the number two team in the country. Uh, and a 37 to three loss affirmed that. But in the first half, you had fourth and fives inside Buckeye territory and chose to punt both times. And the explanation that Fleck gave afterwards was like, "This I'm trying to manage the team and my expectations the best I can to prevent mistakes and prevent catastrophe. You're coaching not to win, or you're coaching not to lose. You're not coaching to win. And that's the frustrating part I have. The aggressiveness that he has at the podium and in the PR game doesn't reflect uh, his sideline managing. And, you know, he can make the, the argument that he doesn't have the, the horses to do this, but... He's bringing in the horses. So you're either not recruiting players that are tough enough or that you trust to make big plays at big moments, uh, or you're too scared to even, you know, be aggressive and do that. Uh, that's not a place you want to be. It's, it's called mediocrity. It's called being lukewarm, and that's kind of where they've leveled off. So, yeah, they need to beat Wisconsin at home to keep the ax, to avoid a losing season, which would only be the second in flex tenure here. And become bowl eligible, yeah. despite having the Big Ten West basically in their in their hands three weeks ago. But you know, three you know fourth quarter collapse versus a backup Illinois quarterback at home, six hundred yards and forty nine points to a bad, bad, very bad Purdue team, and then an, an expected blowout loss to uh, Ohio State. And here we are, uh, you know, just scratching and clawing to get to six and six.
We're talking to Brian Murphy from uh, Bring Me the News and uh, Purple Insider. Uh, the Wild uh, go to Sweden, have two games in Sweden. They lose both of them uh, in overtime. Uh, if you know anything about the NHL, is NHL they, they fire coaches a lot midseason. And I bring that up because the Wild have been struggling mightily. And is there any chance that uh, Dean Evison uh, would get fired here? Well, I thought the time to do that would have probably been last April after they bowed out in another six-game underwhelming loss. Um, Bill Guerin decided to run it all back, Uh, or maybe Craig Leopold told him to run it all back. But you've got the same coaching staff, essentially, the same roster. We all know they're they got five hundred or fifteen million dollars tied up in dead cap money with you know Suter and Parisi and some others. We understand the situation. Uh, but they're looking terrible, and their penalty kill has been even worse. Yes. And that plagued them not only in the playoffs last year, but two years ago against St. Louis. You got their best player. You know, what's wrong with Kirill Kaprizov? Right. He's got one even strength goal all season. Matt Boldy has none in his last eight games. Uh, the goaltending of uh, Philip Gustafson and Marc Andre Fleury has been mediocre at best. I mean, they got, they've lost five in a row, and they've only got five regulation wins in 17 games. Um, they get a chance to reset. You know, they, they made this trip. They got a couple of, you know, they got a shootout loss and an overtime loss. And, yes, they rallied from a 3-1 third-period deficit against Toronto to at least grab one point. They don't play till Friday, uh, the day after Thanksgiving. They can rest, recuperate, get back on central time zone. They get a little bit of a reset. You know, Bill Guerin had a, a, a closed-door meeting a couple, uh, before they left for Sweden and basically – let the team have it for getting blown out at home eight to three to Dallas. So it sounds like Everson's job is safe for now, but uh, if this becomes unsustainable, uh, they may have to make a change, but they've got, they've got a chance. It's still November. They've notoriously been slow starters to the season. They got a long way to go, uh, but this team can play and should be expected to play a lot better than they have. We're uh, up against it. We've got about a minute left, but I wanted to get your uh, thoughts on uh, the peace and racket. Uh, talking about your old uh, workplace, the Pioneer Press, and what has happened there. I remember you were sounding the alarm when you still worked there about Alden Capital and how it's just destroyed the Pioneer Press. Honestly, it's almost, I feel good about the people that still work there and the job they're still doing, but I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, it was was a tough read. It wasn't unexpected. I was a little surprised by the numbers. uh, when I mean headcount, like when I started there in 2000, there were 230 people in that newsroom, and now there's less than 30. Jeez. We're talking journalists actually putting out not only the print product that no one's buying anymore, but the digital product. Uh, it's yeoman's work that they're doing, but it's basically a game of whack-a-ball. I mean, they're running around covering everything that's right in front of them, but it's very difficult to, to source, build, and, and, and deepen relationships and, and do sort of the investigative feature writing, enterprise writing, why this matters writing when you're down, you know, when you're just trying to survive day to day. So it's, it's, it's tough to see, um, but it's not sh- shocking. I mean, Alden capital and, you know, hedge funds, they, they treat their businesses like ATMs. And as far as, mm-hmm. as long as the pioneer press is going to, is going to be profitable, Alden's not going to invest in, in the, uh, in the product. They're going to just, you know, take everything off the top that they can until, until it just is bled out. And it's just, it's, it's tough to see, um, but wholly predictable. It's so sad. It's so sad to see this. I, Because now, more than ever, we need good reporting. We need local reporting. We need You need truths. people at we the need... city council meetings looking yes. at the budget. Yes. You know, that, yes. uh, you know, 
corruption, uh, you know, can thrive in darkness. And somebody needs to be looking at who's saying what, who's spending what. Um, it's not so much, you know, covering the games, but it's covering your local city council. It's covering exactly right. state government. And, and it's good to have another media outlet other than the Star Tribune doing that. Oh, great. Thanks, Brian. Have a great week, sir. Have a happy Thanksgiving. All right, you too. Thanks, everyone. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 